welcome to the Rebel Alliance Media Podcast with your hosts, P-Nate and Pootie. In, in the studio today, we have a special guest, worship extraordinaire leader, Chris Standish. How you doing, Stan? Wouldn't it be I'm uncomfortable with that Worship definition. leader extraordinaire? I don't know. What you did just I want say? To get the, you said worship extraordinaire leader. Yeah, that's completely yeah, Worship wrong. leader extraordinaire. We're going to go with that. I don't even feel like I'm a worship leader. That's Jesus. Wow. I feel like I'm a wow. song leader. Can we talk guy about that j- later in the show? Guy just comes on the episode and, and puts himself in the Let's drop it right now. Hour. Let's go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The well humility done. is <laughs> oozing right now as we drink the coffee he provided for us. So. Yeah, that's true. So Chris came to the studio today with uh, coffee. Uh, no disrespect to Jude, uh, who uh, was touting the 1018 Cafe coffee. Chris Standish comes live to the studio with a tray of coffee from Franz Village Deli. Yes, it's local in Thamesford. It's, I it's just discovered part of Thamesford, Ontario. Um, hold on, I actually haven't had my first sip yet. So okay, let me, let's, let all sip, let's all sip and tell. What do you think? It's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's deli coffee, not cafe coffee, if you know No, what I mean. no, I hear and, you. And uh, yeah. I don't think anybody in there is going to be wearing skinny jeans, but, <laughs> so it's not super hipster, which mm. we know hipsters make the mm. best coffee, but it's good. It's I was a- taking Jew's advice, really. I've heard him on the podcast earlier. He said, you need to go local. You yep. need to try a mom and pop shop, and this is what I'm going so for. So you went and said yeah. hi to Fran herself. I, you know what? I should have introduced myself. Yeah. I should have been. But that's okay. Yeah. But you supported Fran by mm-hmm. buying Fran's coffee. So anyway, we've got Fran's coffee in front of us, and it's uh, it's getting the job done. It's a good ca- uh, caffeine delivery system, that's for sure. <laughs> it works. Yeah, it works. Um, how are we going to start off the episode today, Chris? Well, first, I just want to comment on, on Chris's attire here. He must have been listening to the podcast I because he came in the reformed uniform today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see the... The plaid button-up shirt, mm-hmm. the nice docker pants. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. Which are which are skinny. Which are skinny. Mm-hmm. Yep. A little skinny. A little yep. skinny. Not too skinny though. Like he doesn't need the jaws think, of life to get them off. It or tapers. Anything. Yeah. No. Yeah. They definitely taper. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what looks like Tom's shoes? Are they yes, those Tom's? Yes, they are. Yeah. I didn't see? even think I, about that. Yeah. That, there you go. I didn't even that's plan like, that. Yeah. You buy a pair wow. and then they send a pair to an underprivileged. That's super reformed. That is. If, that it, is. if it wasn't for the beard that I noticed you're sprouting mm-hmm. up nicely, I would say you're bordering on hipster, but you've oh, actually no. stayed reformed because yeah. you grew that full, thick beard. I've been growing it since episode three. Nice. <laughs> well done. Well done. Nice. You know, you've yeah. taken a, a good step into, you know, good reformed doctrine. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. You're now at level seven. <laughs> level seven reform. <laughs> And uh, and if your and your wife is is liking the beard, is complaining about the beard, is it's longer than she would like. Yep. Um, but I need to try it if I want to be serious about being yeah. reformed. It's just one of those things you have to suffer through. Absolutely, yeah, and we'll, you can't we'll pray for her. <laughs> we'll pray for we'll pray for Kate. And uh, yeah, the 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 point being, you cannot grow a beard in a, a moment of of passion. It's a, it's a it's a slow, thoughtful growth. So it looks thoughtful. You look thoughtful. Wonderful. So I've got an opening question for you guys, but before we get into that, I want to remind our listeners to like us on Facebook, share us on Facebook, feel free to comment if you disagree with something we say, or you just want to reach out to us or have a question. Maybe we'll post a picture of, of Chris's attire at some point, just so people get the visual, you know what I'm saying? I, I think that's a great yeah, idea, a good idea with the Franny's coffee <laughs> and just hopefully get some free advertising. Yeah. They uh, haven't sponsored this, this episode, but we're talking about them quite a bit. No, we should, we should get sponsors for yeah, the air. I agree. I wonder what Stephen Furtick's doing. I'm sure he's got money. 
Can we, nice, yeah. can we say that? I yeah. don't know. Anyway, he's not listening. Um, anyway, so once if you're listening to us on iTunes, remember to give us a review. Give us a five-star rating. Those things help immensely get the gospel message out. If you guys want to hear some more talk about theology, we'll keep going. But the opening question I have for you guys today is, Chris, you just went to a, a conference, the Together for the Gospel conference, or TGC, sorry. And Nate, you went to Together for the Gospel last year, and I went to Acquire the Fire in 1999. So I feel like we've all been to conferences fairly regularly. <laughs> 20 years ago, a youth conference. It had a big impact. Did it? it yeah. acquired, not, not loose, right? You, I, did you acquire said fire? I acquired the said fire, <laughs> and then I read John MacArthur, and now I'm not 100% sure I'm supposed to have the fire. Mm. But like, who it Was it strange fire? It was very strange, <laughs> but I acquired the strange fire um, before that conference anyway. But anyway, so we've all been to conferences fairly regularly, I think <laughs> we can say. Yeah, okay. We're going to talk a little bit about conferences. First, I want to hear a brief update. How was the conference you just went to dish? It was fantastic. We were uh, two and a half days. Um, some pretty big uh, speakers like uh, Piper and Carson and uh, DeYoung was there. And, yeah, it was uh, Sam Albury. So, uh, yeah, just to be uh, really uh, hammered hammered with uh, preaching for two and a half days was pretty incredible. So it's kind of really like drinking from that. a fire hose? Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I was I was given good warning, though, by uh, – uh, Dave at uh, West London that uh, it would be pretty overwhelming. So received a pretty good tip that uh, instead of maybe being a note taker for two and a half days, just wait to see what you know, the Lord's really putting on your heart as you hear that and then uh, revisit the uh, sessions later. So yeah, yeah that was fantastic. How nice. about you? Where were you, Nate? Uh, well, la- I guess this time last year we were at Together for the Gospel. So I know those, uh, you know, those... Uh, the- um, acronyms can get a little confusing. So you're at the Gospel Coalition, TGC. I was at T4G, together for the Gospel. Um, but a lot of the same speakers, right? Like uh, Piper was there, DeYoung was there, Chandler was there, um, that kind of stuff. Um, it was awesome. It was it was, it was was really, really good. I think it was like four days down in Louisville. Mm. Um, just, again, like you said, just getting hammered with, with good, solid preaching. And like surrounded by like, 10,000 reformed dudes who take their faith seriously like that that was kind of a, an encouraging environment too I don't know uh, what they did for worship at yours yeah they had a guy named Matt Boswell lead and apparently he leads pretty well every conference so he's their guy I think he's uh, in uh, Texas okay and uh, yeah it was Good, good and solid. But I was there for the preaching. I wasn't there for the worship. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, at T4G, what <laughs> was really like cool... Yeah, 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 there you go. Yeah, do we even need to sing? <laughs> um, uh, at, uh, at Together for the Gospel, Bob Coughlin led the worship, and it was just so... I mean, honestly, it was. I think it was six or 7,000 guys in a dome, Bob Coughlin and a piano, and that was it, just singing old hymns. And so it was really the voices of like... like 7,000 dudes um, singing old hymns. It was, it was cool. It was powerful. Like, so it didn't, there was no smoke machines. There was no like, like guitar riffs or solos or anything like that. Uh, It was just old hymns and a bunch of dudes singing them. Were there lasers? No, no lasers. Well, then how did the Holy Spirit know where to land? (laughs) Yeah. The Holy Spirit was not confirmed by the smoke machines nor the lasers, Um, but uh, he was there. So yeah, it was good. Yeah. Together for the Gospel was awesome. What's your favorite part about conferences? Well, see, I, I don't know what it was like at TGC. At, at Together for the Gospel, it's the, it's the like prolific book giveaway. Mm. So they give you like 20 books, solid books by like 
all like uh, you know Piper's new book, MacArthur's new book, Mark Dever's new book, DeYoung's new book. You're just getting all of them, and then on top of that, they have just a, an amazing book library that you spend like your entire book budget on. So you just go home with a zillion books. And obviously not enough time to read them all, but yeah. So you had to pay for my books like a chump. What a chump. But uh, what I really liked about the conference was getting to know new names. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, got to hear Tim Keller talk, but really got to learn about people that inspired Tim Keller. So then, you know, uh, this guy, there's a guy, Peter Adams out of um, Australia, um, who influenced them, but also to hear um, just, just just a few other names and and books that that help these guys along, and then go shopping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the truth is, like guys like David Platt and uh, and Kevin DeYoung, like obviously they're huge names now, but. The first time I went to, together for the gospel, which was like eight years ago or something, they, they were like the the names I hadn't heard of, but they're on the speaking roster. So that's what got me listening to Kevin DeYoung and David Platt and these guys. So yeah, absolutely. Finding out new names and, and who some of these guys read and, and recommend. Yeah, for sure. That's good. Can you remember, you guys, question for you, can you remember what really impacted you coming out of your conference a year ago? Like, are you still feeding off of what? For sure, you? yeah. The, Together for the Gospel, the theme was the Reformation um, and uh, and the, the whole Protestant Reformation. And I'll, I'll, honestly, I will literally, I'll never forget David Platt's sermon. Uh, the title was, uh, Why the Reformers Died in Their Day and Why You Should Be Willing to Die in Yours. And it was in, in very, like, amazing David Platt fashion. He made every single person in the room guilty feel guilty for not being on missions. <laughs> and then <laughs> half left right then to yeah, go on yeah, missions. exactly. But basically, it was just this idea that the radical lives that they lived that demanded, that, that essentially demanded them give up their lives and, and the benefits that we have nowadays, and essentially our unwillingness to die to ourselves and, and to what we want for our own lives. And so... Yeah, it was huge. So I walked away from there, and really, I think it was that sermon that kind of birthed in my heart this whole idea. It comes from John 12, which I don't I think Platt actually touched on, but when Jesus says, unless a seed goes into the ground and is willing to die, it will bear no fruit. And so it really kind of, God's been working on my heart since then for a year. Like, am I living my life for me, or am I spending it for the building and the growth of the kingdom? So that, yeah, that definitely sparked something in me that's still still been going. So, yeah. How about you, Pootie? Acquire the Fire 99. <laughs> <laughs> What's been going on in the last 18 years of your life? I listened to Third Day. I think that's the only lasting thing that's come from that conference is the love of the man Third Day and Audio Adrenaline. Do they still exist? I don't audio know. Audio Adrenaline. They nice. Still, whatever happened to Ron Luce? Like, he used to be a guy, and then I've never heard of him since. I don't know. I, I, no he, I know he didn't acquire the fire in Hamilton. He lost like, all his fire. He has no more aqua- a fire he, he to... He gave it all away because yeah, everybody was acquiring the fire. Yeah, um, yeah so I, I would, I'm, I'm all into the conference idea. I just never have had the chance to go, unfortunately. I just, every time they come up, I'm... I'm busy, but next year I think the three of us Let's do it. can get Let's do Jude it. and we'll yep. head down yeah, and we'll down. go to another one. Yeah, because I think there's something like impactful about going to like even going to see like a conference, but just the camaraderie of of you know a group of guys or a group of women getting together and just spending time together. Like you know, what I mean, I, I think there's something powerful there. Yeah. That as talking you all grow. about the sessions between the sessions over food or coffee or mm. I was with Jude, so coffee and donuts. <laughs> um, chicken. That, <laughs> fried chicken. Yeah, fried chicken. Um, that was just as good as the actual sermons themselves, right? Like unpacking it uh, alongside um, like-minded, you know, guys was 
pretty awesome. So yeah, we just want to we just want to at this point throw out a, a plug for a conference that's actually going to be in London, Ontario, at the end of May. I'm um, called the Caporius Conference. Caporus, yeah. Caporus Conference. What did there I say? I don't know what you said, but <laughs> Caporus Conference um, is it uh, basically just means body, right? It's the uh, the Latin word for body. Uh, so it's a it's, it's going to be an annual conference. Uh, May 27th this year, 26th and 27th. It's a Friday, Saturday. Uh, we have Andreas Kostenberger, um, a great scholar. Uh, he's going to come in and he's going to talk specifically about. Um, uh, the differing roles of men and women within the church and within the home. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about this year. I think next year we actually have uh, somebody lined up to come in and talk to us about uh, church models. So yeah, Kapoor's Conference, May 26th, 27th. You can visit uh, wlachurch.org to register. And the Rebels will be live at the conference, I believe. Rebels will be live, yeah. yeah. Hey, who's leading music at the conference? I haven't been asked yet. I, I don't know. I'm not in charge of said things. Okay, just yeah. yeah you can. Would have loved to have been a part of that. Just saying. <laughs> just yeah, throw that yeah, out there. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll ask Jude who he has lined up. Who he's oh, got you're on throwing the docket. Jude under the bus for yeah, this yeah. I I said, you know what? We should get the best guy we know to lead worship. And I, and I assumed he was going to go find me. you. That no, I, I assumed he was going to ask you. So and when, if you asked somebody else, then he and I were just on the wrong. And when I said <laughs> no, he was like, I'll guess I'll go to Standish. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, Chris. I'm not leading worship at that <laughs> conference. Okay. That's all I know. Wonderful. That's all I know. Wonderful. All right, guys. So we want to we'll transition now to what goes in the bin, a new segment we're doing on our show. So all this is is simply what is something in Christian culture you want to get rid of? So Throwing it in the waste bin. <laughs> throw it oh, in the waste yeah. bin. We'll start with you, Nate. What do you want to bin? All right. Here's, here's the thing. Whether it's in a prayer, whether it's in a, um, like, prefacing something that you're saying at an annual business meeting, no matter what, the phrase, we know we're in the end times, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I'm throwing that in the bin, man. I, I, that is brutal. First of all, people have been saying that for 2,000 years, right? People have been saying for 2,000 years, well, we know we're living in the end times, so. The other thing is nothing good ever comes after that. It's always just like, so... Why don't we just spend our savings? <laughs> why, why, why do we need to replenish the uh, the contingency fund for the church? Why do we? It always comes with a stupid decision. So it's like, since we know we're in the end times, dot dot dot, and then they're going to say something dumb. So I would say I would just want to chuck that phrase in the bin. Let's think long term, and whether Jesus comes back next year or Jesus comes back in another two thousand years. Uh, let's just get rid of the phrase and just live faithfully in the moment. <laughs> that's a that's a great one. I, I'm going to pray right now. So, like, know that we're living in the last days. Stop it! <laughs> yeah, I will. I will silence you. <laughs> just like that's it. Yeah. We're we're leaving. We're done. I'm I'm going to chuck Christians making up their own words. Mm. So here's what I want to get rid of. Um, just you know, us making acronyms for things we're already commanded to do. You know, say like you know, giving abilities, time, things like that, where we make an acronym to describe these, uh, these uh, like things that we're commanded to do. Why? Just Ac- call them like they are. Acronyms in general in the church have been way overused. So like, can we also throw in the bin any church mission statement or any junior high title that's an acronym? It's just like, oh, this is this is core youth ministry. Well, actually, uh, core. I think core is actually Dave DeSmith's youth ministry. So I'm not saying that's a bad name. But what I what what I mean is like, you know, those ones where it's like, oh, we are the cross group, 
and that's an acrostic for something, right? Or we are the FORB group, and F-O-R-B stands for fathers, obedient, you know, whatever. Yeah, let's just chuck acronyms in general. They're, they're horribly outdated. I agree. I don't like the acronyms when they're forced. I don't mind like the, the natural acronyms, like the Together for the Gospel. Right. That makes sense. The conference is called Together for the Gospel. People have shortened it to T4G. Right. They didn't think like, oh, I want to call my conference T4G. How can I make this a thing? Yeah. yeah. Like, that's what I don't I like. Agree. I don't like what's the reverse. That's what I don't like about it. So like, I, I want to bend any right of those things. This is all like pastor's sermon points that all start with the same letter. Have you ever, right? Have you seen that where it's just like, um, for your ease, here are the five S's of having a better marriage. And then there's such forced words that you're like, just give me five points. They don't all have to start. Like, you don't need alliteration on this one, bro. I don't know. I, I think I'm just grumpy today. What do you think, Dish? It's Franny's coffee. Yes, Franny's, Franny's coffee. Isn't doing the job? Uh, apparently not. Oh, nuts. Did you give me decaf? No, I didn't. All right. All right, right, Dish, what's going on in the bin? Haven't thought much about this, but I did bring it up earlier. This term, worship leader, Mm. calling us the worship leader. Um, Then in me. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, yeah, we definitely have issues with that. I know other people do too, because Jesus is our worship leader. And to, you know, there's just too many misunderstandings around that, I think. So what would you call the worship leader? If song worship? leader. Call the song leader? leader. Music leader? Praise leader? Or music leader, yeah. something like that, yeah. But not worship leader. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we should probably uh, talk that through at another time, but yeah, this this concept of the worship leader is the worship leader, and, and yeah, the fact that we still focus on those three songs that we sing as the corporate worship time when, you know, hearing the word is worship and our, our prayer together is worship. And yeah, that's what I put in the bin. Nice. nice. Now that we've like thoroughly offended almost everyone, let's transition yeah. to how to be a good loving neighbor. <laughs> that's what we're talking about today. That is after our topic today. After we've just ragged on every part of Christendom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. basically after we've, okay. we've wrecked all of our relationships, let's move into how to repair them with different people. <laughs> All right, so uh, what? Yeah, what we wanted to talk about today was uh, this idea of how to be a missional neighbor, right? So it's interesting when when Jesus is asked what's the greatest commandment of all, he says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength." And the second command, great commandment, is like it: love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus actually says these two things: you fulfill all the law and the prophets. So love God, love neighbor, and you fulfill the law, right? So the, at the heart of of all the Old Testament law is love God, love neighbor. And so as Christians, we know that it's our responsibility, right? We know the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, you know, all, all these things, be a good neighbor, love your neighbor. Um, but in a real kind of practical sense, what does it look like to be a good neighbor? Um, because I think Christians, we can get caught in one of two ways, right? We can get caught in, we're so involved in the church and so caught up in our, in our social Christian bubbles that we actually just aren't good neighbors. We're not social neighbors. We don't know our neighbors' names. And and the truth is we live kind of, we, we live in like a, a back porch, private fence kind of uh, uh, life, right? Like those are the neighborhoods we live in. There's There's not the same sort of community camaraderie that there used to be. And, uh, and Christians are bad for that too. So we either fall off the ditch on that side where we, we are so involved in our own Christian bubbles that we don't get to know our neighbors, or it's the other extreme where we become the crazy Christian neighbor, right? Who all our other neighbors avoid. So you go out to, to like clean your car and all the other neighbors mysteriously find their way indoors. Right? So, so you can fall off the, the road into either side of the ditch. 
Um, how is it that we find our way right down the middle? How can we be a good and loving neighbor? So that's kind of on the topic today. And, and we'll just, I mean, Chris, you're, you're kind of smiling there because you're, you're looking and I think you're saying, amen, don't fall off the ditch on either side. But how do we, how do we find that? Like, how do you, how do you go about being a good neighbor? Man, you know what? Like when I think of the neighborhood that God placed me in, uh, it's pretty amazing that he really put us my wife, our family, in a pretty friendly neighborhood. So already we've had, we have five, six neighbors that even before we got there were at least once a year having a fire together, having some drinks together, or going out for dinner together. And that is pretty well unheard of that neighbors take the time Seriously, to yeah. do that with each other. So really we moved in three years ago and they came to us and said, hello, welcome to the neighborhood, you know, wanted to get to know us. So it was easy for these past three years. But now it's that challenge of we li- live such busy lives, so how are we going to make time for our neighbors? And it's true. i got three kids. I'm involved in many different things. But we you know, just look for those things that God's put in our life. And what's interesting is the neighbors, since I am a carpenter, I have neighbors come to me saying, hey, I've got this. Could you take a peek at this? And uh, you know what? It could be easy to be like, hey, pretty busy these days, but no, go have a look, have a conversation. And I've been able to do work for three of our neighbors and potentially a fourth and really just go over, take the time. It's usually working evenings to help them out with their jobs. Or for example, this weekend, my neighbor wants to fix our fence. Um, and he, he offered to do it all himself. And I have a men's retreat this weekend with our church. So I could spend the whole weekend at church or I could make sure that I'm free tomorrow to work on that fence with them. And I'm going to prioritize that. I am going to scrap a church event to make sure I'm spending time with my neighbor. I wonder if your pastor's listening to this. Oh, man. Yeah. (laughs) So, so yeah. So, but that was just an opportunity that God put up and you just had to meditate on that and prioritize that spending time. And, um... Yeah. So, I mean, that's just one of the ways anyway. I uh, just just try and pay attention to what God is doing in, in the neighborhood. So there's a, there's a couple things. Sorry, did you want to say? Yeah, I was just going to say, it's interesting it, it listening to you speak about that. Almost every thing you described there was something you were, you were sacrificing what you would rather do, sit at home, go to the men's retreat, be inside with your wife, hanging out, watching TV or whatever. You sacrifice these things to be a good neighbor, to right. go over to their house, to take a look at their problem, to and none of that was re- are rewarding things particularly for you. You don't get anything out of going and taking. I a look did at get paid. Sometimes, sometimes you get paid, but I mean, like, it, but you still you have a full time job. You didn't need to, to go and do that. You could have been like, no, just call a guy or book me during my working hours. You sacrificed to do that. I think that was very telling. I think there's a couple things that you said there that I, I just let's let's pull on and talk about a little bit. So the first thing you said that I thought was interesting, you kind of glossed over it pretty quickly, but it, it was profound, and that is um, that the fact that God placed you in the community that He's in, right? So the recognition that God is sovereign, and sometimes we don't always think about God's sovereignty in in relation to where we live. So God's God has placed you where he has you for a reason. So if like if if Christians could just get that mindset down, your neighbor is there by God's sovereign design. The neighbors that are across the street from you are there by God's sovereign design. Yes, those neighbors who play their music too loud. Yes, that neighbor who, you know, 
snow blows everybody else's driveway but yours. Yes, that neighbor who, you know, you you lose you know, t- two hours out of your uh, Saturday because they're outside talking your ear off. Like, yes, that neighbor is there by God's design, which means that they're there for a reason. So I think that's profound. If, if we can just grasp that, then you recognize that that's a, that's a mission field and God's placed you there, right? And I think I mean, this is this this speaks to I think a larger problem in in Christian people, Christian churches, North American evangelicalism, where uh, we we kind of have this this mindset that oh you know we'll pray for you, we'll pray for that person, we'll pray for, and sometimes forget that God uses us to be the means through which He answers our prayers. You know what I mean? And so you know, so for example, you could have said. Um, you know, I'm going to go to this men's retreat, and I don't know what, what the men's retreat is about, but but I, I'm sure they'll probably talk about living missionally, right, and being evangelistic. And so, like, are you going to give up the missional opportunity to go and learn about being missional, or are you going to go be missional, right? And I think we, we don't sometimes connect those dots. We don't recognize that sometimes some of the church things that we're going to are training us for these moments that we're giving up to go get trained for them. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, and that's not to say that training isn't a good thing and church events aren't a good thing. Men's retreats are a great thing. Um, but, uh, but it is interesting because we, we have to find that, uh, that balance, right, between actually getting equipped and, and trained to live missionally and then just actually living missionally. Yeah, I, liked, I like what you said about how God has sovereignly put these people into your lives. I remember reading a very, like, impactful quote by David Platt, who we've already mentioned in this, co- in this podcast, who said, how do you know God's working in someone's life? Well, he's put you in their life. Right. Because we are the means and we are the, or sorry, we are the tools that God will use to spread his kingdom, to advance his gospel, to show love and mercy to these people right. um, in, our, in our culture today. And so many Christians forget that whole idea that mission missions isn't overseas. It isn't a program on Thursday nights. It's every day how I live, how I walk. Wherever you are. Wherever I am. Yeah. I'm on missions in the grocery store. I'm on missions in in Target. I can't think of any place. Everywhere you are, you're on missions and you're on display and we are, and we are told to be that way. Franny's Village Deli. Yep, yep. Yep. And that doesn't mean you have to give them a track every time either, actually. And that's a good segue, because here's my next question. So I appreciate what you're saying, Chris. So it's it's taking time, it's being intentional, it's investing in relationships, it's building um, just your rapport and, and just, just essentially investing in relationships, right? So how do you be a good neighbor, invest in, in relationships, actually get to know somebody, get to know what they're about, get to know their family, do things for them? Yeah, absolutely. But there's another side to this, right? And and the other side to this is, as Christians, we're called to be evangelists. We're called to bring the good news uh, of repentance and faith in Jesus. So when do you introduce that, right? Like, how ultimately we're building relationships so that we can share the gospel, but we also don't want to hoodwink people. It's not like, oh, remember that thing that I built for you as a carpenter? Now I want you to sit through my five-point gospel presentation, right? Like, how do you kind of organically become an evangelist to your neighbors? Organic, interesting word. Um, Yeah, so in our neighborhood... Uh, like I said, we've had opportunity to have uh, drinks, have desserts with our neighbors, and just legitimately love a person because they're a person. They're here, created by God, and you know we're fascinated by them. I want to know what their story is and get to know them. And and really, that's th- that's the love there, right? Instead of making them uh, an object that I'm now going to work towards, like. 
um, you know, trying to get the gospel in right away. I just want to start with loving. And then, again, sense, God, what are you doing? Um, and funny enough, in December, I had a, a great opportunity with one neighbor over two nights as I did his hardwood floor to actually get to the gospel. He was struggling with something in his uh, uh, Anglican church, and uh, he's he's not a believer, but we got to talk gospel, and it was just pretty clear to me that God, you know, was putting that burning on my heart to bring it up and just had to, you know, go with the, you know, courage, be bold, but be um, sensitive as well and, and get to talk. And that was something that God clearly brought about. I haven't really had those conversations where you're hanging out with a neighbor and then all of a sudden, boom, the conversation goes, you know, to the gospel and they're kind of blindsided like what's going on i haven't experienced that yet maybe i'll try that sometime and tell you how it goes (laughs) but i don't think it's going to go very well so again just being prayerful as we are with our neighbors just to try and discern god is there something we can speak into here right and maybe that's just me being a wuss (laughs) you know me me fearing what might come out uh, of the situation but yeah really being prayerful as we are being in relation with our with our neighbors. Yeah, and I, I appreciate you saying that. I think about that for myself all the time, whether it's my neighbors, whether it's my, my friends, my family, uh, whatever the case may be, is, um, you know, sometimes we can kind of, I don't want to say jinx ourselves, sometimes we can um, kind of talk yourself into, well, if I brought it up now, I'd be forced. I'd do more harm than good, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and sometimes I just recognize in my own heart that that's just an excuse because I am I am wussing out, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, so you said something that was interesting, and you said, you know, when you were laying that hardwood floor, you kind of felt burdened, like... Like if I didn't say this, you you use the term burning, right? Like so, like you you felt like now's the time. I gotta I gotta do this, and I I imagine I know you well enough to know that you would have been dissatisfied if you hadn't, right? If you had felt that and not taken that opportunity, I snuff so, out that burning quite often. <laughs> well, and and so I I say that to say like if we just sit around and and the um you know that phrase that I hate. It's, uh, you know, talk about things we want to throw in the bin. I don't want anybody to ever quote St. Francis of Assisi saying, preach the gospel and when necessary use words. I hate that phrase. We have to always, yeah. Mm. All right, sorry. Um, but we ought to always use words. And, and, but I think sometimes we have this, uh, I'm just going to live my life. I'm going to shine my light, right? And, and eventually they're going to come around and say, what's different about you? You know, I, I've been living for, uh, as a Christian for a few decades now, and nobody's ever come up to me and been like, what makes you different than me? What do you have that I don't have? So somebody might criticize me and say, well, you're obviously not shining your light well enough, bro. Maybe that's the case. But um, I think sometimes if we just sit back and wait for somebody to come up and ask us, then um, I don't know that we're doing our job. So, you know, how can we start to discern these things? At what point do you put the relationship on the line, so to speak, and, and risk that. And I, I don't know what the answer is. Well, when I think of the gospel, I think like w- we recognize our brokenness and our sinfulness, and it's not how great we are or how shiny our light is. It's really how we recognize w- why we need right. the Savior and how dependent we are on Him. And maybe it's in those situations that we can now discern how to how to communicate to someone who is recognizing a need of some sort, perhaps. Yeah, and, and I think, I guess maybe where, where I'm going with this is that I think we can, 
we can bring the gospel into conversations without it being awkward, like without it being weird. Like at no point in the in the neighborhood barbecue do you have to say, okay, now everybody take your seat. I'm going to pull out my flannel graph and I'm going to show you. And here's the chasm and here's the cross and here's the, you know, uh, and lead everybody the, for the cross, right? Like I, I think that might be what we have in our minds or like if we don't bring everybody the foot of the cross in every conversation, we've somehow failed. But I think what I try to do um, is is you try to, I think it's uh, Greg Kokel, um, he uses the phrase, put a stone in someone's shoe, right? And so try to say something that, you know, when you have a stone in the shoe and every step, it kind of bothers you a little bit. It's not like, it's not cutting through your foot or anything, but there's this, this little thing that's kind of annoying you, right? So try to, in every conversation, just say something that makes them think. And so it, it could be as simple as, you know, it could be as simple as, as talking about, um, you know, uh, uh, maybe it, maybe something that went on at church that day. It could be as, as simple as, um, you know, talking about absolute truth. It could be as, as simple as, you know, making some sort of comment about, um, you know, not, not everything is, you know, not everything is true. You know, it could be anything like that, but just kind of giving them something to think about from a Christian worldview, right? Like, we, we, we do live in a culture that gives us plenty of opportunity to talk about this stuff, right? We live in a culture where everybody's truth is, is right, and everybody's really tolerant, and nobody can tell anybody that they're wrong. And I'm not saying go tell your neighbors they're wrong about everything. I'm just saying you can comment on something that's going on in culture. You can comment on something and, and provide a Christian perspective on it that will just make them think, huh, he thinks differently than I do. I, I don't know. I just I just think, you know, I want every conversation to be fruitful, but I recognize that if I try to get every conversation to the foot of the cross, then I'm going to be that crazy guy that everybody avoids. Yeah, I think the, I think the key there that uh, Chris articulated it and then is you you get there with somebody when you love them, when you when you're willing to put time in with them, be nice, be all those all those things that we know we're supposed to be. It isn't like an idea where you're waiting for them like you said to come and ask you, well, Nate, what do you think about this issue? You know I mean, you have to be in that personal relationship with those people around you to be able to have those conversations, or else the person in our culture is probably just going to wave and go inside, right? You have to, you have to have bridged that gap, and then you can discern what the spirit's leading you in terms of like, what, what should I say? Like you were saying, if it's, I feel like I have to say this, or at this point, just be, just love them, right? So. I think that's that's important. And in terms of like the somebody coming up and asking about your life, well, truth is nowadays everybody's so inundated with their own stuff and all the stuff that they're thinking about, nobody's paying attention to you. You know what I mean? Like you have to we have to be intentional to be good neighbors. Because the the truth is nowadays we have high eight foot fences in our own personal decks, like we were saying earlier. It's easier just to be our own family and not even be involved in the neighborhood at all. We, as Christians, we should be the ones out starting these er these areas up, being intentional to get to know these people, not with an agenda. You know what I mean? Like we want to obviously share the gospel with them, but we want to love them first. God, the command is to love your neighbor. It wasn't to make them repent and then become good friends with them. You know what I mean? It was to love them first, and hopefully by that love, they, f they come to repentance. I think it would be pretty amazing if we as Christians were the ones to break this cultural problem of being too busy. Yeah, agree. If we could yeah, really evaluate, point. you know, yeah. DeYoung has that book, Crazy Busy, Crazy right? Busy, I think yeah, he threw right. that at me, and that was uh, convicting to me. And, um, yeah, if we could start that in our church circles, that might be 
huge something. Yeah, so that we have time for this mm-hmm. kind of stuff mm-hmm. yeah because yeah i'm sure a lot of, a lot of people are sitting there listening to this going like i just have time for that i got this going on at my house i got my kids going to this place and the truth is I, this is going to sound weird i was about to say use your kids as tools <laughs> um, but i do actually mean that so i'm going to say it anyway um you know one of the things i've learned i mean our, our daughter is still really young but um, one of the things i've observed observed from a lot of people in our church who i think are doing this well is that some of the, the, the neighbors or, or just the friends or the non-Christians that they're intentionally trying to build relationships with, those relationships started because their kids are in sports together or their kids go to school together or whatever. And sometimes kids are way better at evangelism than, than adults, right? Like I, I watch kids and kids in our church who are inviting their friends out to church, inviting their, their friends out to like church events and stuff like that. And if, you, you know, as a parent, if, you're, if your kids are like, hey, I want to go here and there's no real good reason not to, sometimes, you know, that's what will get you going and doing things. That If your kids are like, oh, I want to go to this Sunday school, I want to go to wherever. And, and sometimes, you know, the, the key to evangelizing our neighbors is through, through the kids. So it's amazing to see kids in a playground just befriend anyone. Yeah. And that is phenomenal. You know, there's just that innocence there. And yeah. it's a real example to how we could be, how right. we should be. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I think I think this is a good discussion. And I think um, you know, one of the things that I think is worth th- thinking through is the more intentional relationships you you acquire with with people outside of kind of your church circle non-christians that you are becoming friends with i think you need to have things to talk about right and so i just say that to say like kind of know what i think as christians we have to know kind of what's going on in the world around us and how to comment and how to think about those things biblically one of the one of the missions of rebel alliance here is is that we want to engage culture through a, a biblical worldview so understanding what's going on in the world around us, sometimes one of the more recent conversations that I had uh, with a friend of mine was simply, we were talking about something that was going on, we were actually talking about the election, the U.S. election, and uh, we were kind of talking about um, what sort of things would cause us to vote for or support a particular candidate. And I was able to kind of ask them, they, they were talking about certain issues that were important to them, and they're not a Christian, so I, I just kind of said like, what makes that issue important for you? Like, why is it that that is important to you and this this particular topic isn't important to you? And asking the question, so I just say, you know, obviously for me, the Bible's my authority. That's where I kind of get my worldview from. But like, how do you gauge what's important and what's not important? What's true and what's not true? Like, what is your standard there? And and it wasn't, because I had a relationship with this person, it wasn't like a, a contentious sort of, well, what's your authority? You have nothing to stand on. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't that. It was just a real, like, help me understand how you make decisions. Help me understand what, what, how you place value on things. I do it through this. And just kind of getting it out there. And then they don't feel hoodwinked if you ever do talk about Jesus, because you're getting it out there. This is my authority. This is where I get my worldview from. Where do you get yours? And, and I was asking because I actually wanted to know. That's the other thing. Like, don't ask a question to try to, you know, and just wait for your turn to speak. But like, really, I want to know, how do you reconcile these things? How do you determine value if you don't have any sort of standard authority? So I, I think those, those are the kinds of things that Christians just need to get better at having meaningful conversations. Not conversations that always lead to the foot of the cross, but just meaningful conversations that put stones in people's shoes. So, I think that's brilliant. Good, good place. I think that's a lot, given us a lot to think about as we go and live lives that are glorifying and honoring and acceptable to God. 
But let's end the end the podcast as we always do with a Christian life hack. I'm going to ask all, both of you guys this question, and we'll see who goes first. What do you guys feel, or sorry, what do you guys do when God feels distant? That's a good, that's a great question. It happens to all of us. Yeah, at some point. definitely. We all we all go through periods of dry spells for sure. Um, for me, I think it's it's I know who. Um, I guess who it is that uh, can reignite um, my passion for God, right? So for me, we talked about him a couple times in this episode. So like a guy like a David Platt, or to me a guy like a John Piper, like those are the guys who, for me, you know, I learn a lot from the D. A. Carsons of the world. I learn a lot from the John MacArthur's of the world, the Doug Wilsons of the world. But the guys who kind of light a fire under me, like just because they're engaging my my intellect, my mind, but also my emotions. David Platt and and John Piper. So I guess for me, and I know I know this is different for Colleen. So like my wife, when she feels God is distant, she will listen to worship music and specific songs that trigger for her memories of when God was was near and and very present in that in during difficult times. So I, I think everybody, this is a little different, but I think emotions are key here. I we don't want to we don't want to build a faith based on emotionalism for sure. But I do think that emotions are one of the things that help when you're feeling God is distant, when you're feeling God is, find a way to engage emotionally, right? And so for me, um, that's listening to John Piper or, or David Platt because those guys can bring me to tears. Those guys, you know, their, their passion, their enthusiasm, their love of God, their love of God's word. Um, for my wife, it's listening to music. But I would, I would say, like, know what it is for you that kind of engages your emotions and with your faith. And, and that's, that's one of the ways that when I feel distant from God, that's, that's what I do to kind of reignite things. How Interesting. About you? Yeah, for me, I just recognize that if God's feeling distant, it's because I'm the one that's walked away. So I'm the one that's gotten too busy. I'm the one that's neglected to meet with him in his word. And so I just lean heavy on that promise, you know, draw near to, near to me and I will draw near to you. Yeah. And so for me, that's really opening up his word and, and meditating. And sometimes it can take for me, a couple days before the Spirit's really grabbing me with something. But I know that in God's Word, as I go hard after Him, He will, you know, show Himself again to me. Um, and again, it's it's me who's turned my head to Him. So again, it's just opening the Word, saying, Lord, I'm sorry, and please show me uh, a bit of Yourself. Grab me with something about You. And, uh, and in time... It happens sometimes in our first meetings, sometimes in in a couple meetings. But yeah, that's that, that's kind of what. And I, I just as I was thinking about that uh, that question, <clears throat> I I think I'm wired intellectually, right? And so for me, it's very easy for me to feel dry about things. Sometimes it becomes an intellectual academic pursuit. Sometimes for me, so for me, infusing or, or engaging my emotions is 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 where I struggle sometimes in the Christian faith. So if we have a listener right now who heard that answer and they're like, oh, okay, that sounds great, but they recognize that they're kind of bent emotionally, then I would say maybe what you need to do is engage your mind because I think part of it is if if things become too mechanical one way or the other, right? If it's too emotional, you haven't gone deep enough. If it's too intellectual, you haven't engaged your, your emotions. So that's just recognizing how I'm wired. Yeah, for, for me... It's, I have to remember, 
So when I when I feel distant, I kind of do both both things because I think I'm kind of wired both ways. So what I have to do is I have to remember the things that God has done in my life. I have to recall my testimony. I have to recall times where I felt on fire and I, times like that. And then I have to go back and I have to go through my journal and look at times where God has answered my prayer and then times where he hasn't, but he worked it out for his own good in a different way. And I just have to mentally work myself through those things to remind myself that he is faithful and these things all work for a plan that is not my plan. My plan is stupid. So <laughs> it's true. That's the Chris Poots paraphrase. <laughs> that's the paraphrase. That's the message part two. Um, so those are, that's how I do it. I just have to remind myself. And I think, I think back to like the Old Testament where they were constantly told to remember. Right. Remember. And I think yeah, that was because right. they wanted to, they needed to be reminded, I've done this for you. I haven't left you. I haven't, I haven't abandoned you. At this time, I'm just distant from you. You know what I mean? And, and like Chris was saying, 99.99% of the time, that's because I've done something. Right. I've fallen. I haven't confessed the sin. I haven't uh, been in the word. I haven't, I've been in the word, but not really thinking about it. I've been just going through the motions. You know right. what I mean? Like my prayer life has become stagnant. My worship has just been surface. So mm. those things, that's how I, how I do it. And I think that's a, a good way. I think we kind of hit three different yeah so ho- hopefully ways. wherever you are however you're wired uh something there resonated with you but uh, uh that's all we got for today's uh podcast so we just want to remind everybody one of the ways that you can actually help us you can help us grow our platform you can help us uh reach more people it's very very simple if you want to join the rebellion uh, all you got to do is like comment and share these videos when they're on facebook uh find us on itunes give us a rating and a review that just very very practically that puts us up in terms of people searching for christian podcasts and just helps us reach a broader audience so you can join the rebellion help us out by doing that uh thanks and we'll see you next week for another episode of the rebel alliance podcast take care